Look, you're probably never going to make it to Campbell Island. It's a teeny tiny speck in the middle of the Southern Ocean, about 400 miles south of New Zealand. But from time to time, a group of scientists or meteorologists do come to the island and set up camp. That's pretty much it. But let's say you do happen to make it to Campbell Island, and let's say you arrive around Christmas time. Well, that's exactly what happened to a group of meteorologists who, well, they were way out there on Campbell Island, got into the holiday spirit. They may have been at the ends of the earth, but by God, they wanted a Christmas tree. But here's the thing. There aren't a lot of Christmas tree options on Campbell Island. There's not even really a forest. In fact, there's exactly one tree on the entire island. Well, story goes, the meteorologists grabbed a saw, threw open the door of their hut, and trudged out through the wind and the rain and headed for this single solitary tree. Don't worry, they didn't cut the whole thing down. So what they do is usually hack a branch off and stick that in the corner of the hut and call it a Christmas tree. But it turns out this lonely tree is a lot more than just some sad Charlie Brown Christmas tree. The tree might hold an answer to a really big question about human existence and the moment we all find ourselves in. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we visit Campbell Island to see what we can learn from the story of the world's loneliest tree. That's after this. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Campbell Island is in the sub-Antarctic. It's the remains of an old volcano surrounded by these stunning high peaks. It's not super big. It's about twice the size of Manhattan, with a population of exactly zero, unless you count the scientists who cycle on and off the island. And getting there, it's not easy. You're in the most violent, uh, stormy ocean um, in the world, the Southern Ocean, the one the ocean that connects all the other oceans. Um, and so weather dominates the whole place. And getting there, you get beaten up. This is Matt Vance. 
he wrote a book called Ocean's Notorious about his travels in the Southern Ocean. And he's quite unusual in the fact that he's been to Campbell Island about 15 times. You have to go through quite a perilous sea journey to get there. So when you do arrive, it does seem like a, a haven or an oasis. When you go there, it's, it is as if you've stepped back 2,000 years. You're just stepping right back into where nature had completely out of control of the planet. And it's because it's so remote that this island is this pristine safe haven for plants and animals. They thrive there. But when it comes to humans, it's a little bit less oasis-like. It's <laughs> best described as a miserable climate. It's pretty much 24-7 gale force winds. It rains 325 days per year. You're lucky if you get an hour of sunlight a day. Nonetheless, humans tried to live there for a bit. People used the island for farming, and they brought over a bunch of species that were not great for the native vegetation and wildlife. But at the end of the day, human beings just couldn't hack it. Camel Island was too remote, too harsh. By the 1930s, farmers had abandoned the island. But there is still one remnant of humans' time left on Campbell Island. One thing we brought over that's still there. The tree. The story goes that the tree arrived on the island around the early 1900s, brought over by New Zealand's governor at the time. His idea was to use Campbell Island for forestry. And what better way to mark the occasion than by planting a tree? Apparently, that's a, a big thing in New Zealand. If there's anything worth doing, they usually plant a commemorative tree. And there's usually a bit of pomp and ceremony. The forestry idea died out pretty quickly. But what didn't die out was the tree. It's a Sitka spruce, which is a tree native to North America. And they're handsome, stately trees. They can grow to be 100 feet tall with strong, assertive roots. They're actually kind of the perfect Christmas tree. But this Sitka spruce does not look like that. In the tough, windy climate of Campbell Island, the tree grows a little differently. Yep, so they have asymmetrical roots. And if they have constant wind like you do in Campbell Island from the west... Uh, they can put up to 60% of their roots on the windward side to, to hold them hold them fast. And remember those meteorologists who wanted a Christmas tree? They didn't exactly help the aesthetic situation. They lopped off a bunch of the tree's branches and they grew back all funky looking. It doesn't look like a Sitka spruce because it's been hacked around. It looks more like a cabbage form. It's very squat and wide. But here is another remarkable thing. The Campbell Island Sitka spruce is growing faster than it does in its normal climate. Five to ten times faster. And it's doing it all alone. It is 170 miles from the nearest tree. The tree got its reputation as the world's loneliest back in the 1970s after the previous record holder was killed. The Guinness World Records confirms Campbell Island tree's current status, though they note that since no one can quite agree on what a tree is, it's hard to say with absolute certainty. But there's another thing that makes this tree special. Its gnarly, tangled-up trunk could help settle an argument in a scientific debate about humanity and our time here on Earth. People like Matt Vance come to Campbell Island to explore. And there are the meteorologists who come for the weather. But around 2013-2014, another group of scientists 
came to the island. And they were looking at some big-picture climate stuff. Like, in this super remote part of the world, could they detect the effects of human activity? The researchers took a sample from the Sitka spruce, and what they found inside was a very specific trace of radiocarbon. And here's where we need to talk about geologic time. Epochs, to be specific. An epoch is a period in Earth's history ranging anywhere from about 3 million to over 40 million years. And each epoch is defined by some sort of development that changed the planet. So there was the Pliocene, when the climate became cooler and drier. And the Miocene, when land-dwelling mammals began to change the dynamics of life on Earth. And today, a lot of people talk about us having entered a new epoch, the Anthropocene. Anthro as in humans, us, people. So the Anthropocene is defined as an epoch when humans are the big dominant force that's altering the planet, a time shaped by people. But the big question is, if we really are in the Anthropocene, when did it begin? To answer this, scientists need to look for a piece of evidence, maybe something in the fossil record or in an ancient ice core, some evidence that defines this is the moment found in the geological record when we moved out of our last epoch and into the Anthropocene. That piece of evidence is called the Golden Spike. And here is where the Sitka spruce comes in. 24, atom bomb. The radiocarbon those researchers found in the Sitka spruce is from around 1965, right around when the atomic bomb tests were ending. And those tests, they took place mostly in the Northern Hemisphere, which means that for the radiocarbon to wind up in the Sitka spruce, it had to travel thousands of miles across continents, across oceans, and settle into the bark of this remote tree. It's the radiocarbon equivalent of carving humans were here into its bark. It's important to know that there are other potential golden spikes which might define the start of the Anthropocene. Some say that it should be the start of the Industrial Revolution. Others think that it should somehow be tied to greenhouse gases. But if the atomic age does mark the moment when human beings demonstrated a global geological reach, then that trace of radiocarbon inside the lonely tree on Campbell Island might just be the golden spike they're looking for. But putting those big questions aside, part of what makes the tree so remarkable is that it's still there, still just being a tree, going about its tree business, surviving, holding on against sub-Antarctic winds for more than 100 years. And the isolation seems to be suiting it fine. I guess everyone handles um, isolation in different ways. To me, I find it um, invigorating that I really don't matter. I'm just a little speck in the ocean. That's Part of the reason I go back is to get that feeling of uh, complete isolation and put everything in its true perspective, which is where a little tiny little dot in a vastness and uh, Campbell Island and the, and the Sitka Spruce are pretty much you know, the, the, the manifestation of that sort of thinking, really, for me. It enthuses me for life. I understand how, how much of a miracle life is. It's 
If you actually want to visit Campbell Island and see the world's loneliest tree, it's possible, but you need a permit. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site and a nature reserve that's managed by New Zealand's Department of Conservation. Access is pretty restricted, um, but private tour operators do offer trips to the island if you get all of your paperwork in order. Thank you to Matt Vance for telling us all about the world's loneliest tree and to Johanna Mayer for her amazing work on this episode. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Johanna Mayer. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Chilenya Onike, Maddie Weinberg, Camille Mojica, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore. Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. And I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. See you soon. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, Afoxiloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. Now playing in Los Angeles. Exquisite food and drink. World-class art everywhere. Spectacular sports and dazzling Hollywood attractions. L.A. offers the full variety of food scene, from game-changing taco trucks to 35 Michelin stars. And did you know that Los Angeles has more museums and theaters than New York? It is indeed scandalous, but also unfortunately true. So get your fix in music, film, comedy, or world-class museums in L.A. Plus, you can get a behind-the-scenes movie magic with a world-famous studio tour. That is something that should be on everybody's bucket list. Start here with discoverla.com.